eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in here to the 10 of 12 podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gilbert. Today here on the show, we are going to be talking with Scott Chasen from Fog.net. We'll be discussing the upcoming Big 12 tournament. We'll also talk about the Big 12 honors and awards. And later on in the second half, we'll talk about the NCAA tournament and what these teams need to do, where they stand, their strengths, their weaknesses, all that stuff as they prepare for March Madness. Be sure to hit us up on Twitter at 10 of 12 podcast. You can stay up to date with everything going on around the Big 12. I'd appreciate that very much. Um, but without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Scott Chasen. Scott, how's it going today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you uh, taking time with me. Uh, are you going to be in KC for the tournament? Yeah, that's the plan, at least for now, as far as I know. Obviously, uh, stuff can change. I don't know if they'll uh, change it around depending on how the first few days goes. It seems Mm -hmm. like we've already gotten a few different emails telling us different things. But, uh, yeah, that is the plan to be there down in KC. Hopefully things don't go the way they did last year, those first few days, (laughs) because those were hectic, man. Those were hectic. But I won't be there. I don't think there's much of a reason, you know, covering K-State to be there. But, uh, if you're covering Kansas, man, you got a better team than than K-State. So we'll talk about the Big 12 tournament here. We'll talk about Big 12, the honors and awards that were released today. Um, let's start it off with Player of the Year, Scott. I, I'm i a, a Jared Butler guy. Are you okay with, with Cade Cunningham getting that award? Yeah, I mean, I think it could have gone to either or. Uh, the thing is this, like, who is the best player in the Big 12? That The answer to that question is Cade Cunningham. But that doesn't mm-hmm. always necessarily mean that player should win the Big 12 Player of the Year award. Obviously, he had great stats. He led his team to way more success than people, you know, thought they were going to have through, you know, coming into the year, especially with departures, especially, you know, navigating the off-court stuff. For that, I'd, I'd actually, you know, like Mike Boynton for Coach of the Year over Scott Drew. But, you know, I, I probably would have had Jared Butler. Uh, this very much reminds me of the situation that uh, Devontae Graham at Kansas was in against Trey Young in Devontae Graham's senior year, where Trey Young had better stats. Of course he did. He was Trey Young. He set all these records. But Kansas won the Big 12 by a couple games, or probably by more than that, actually, now that I think about it. Um, and, and, you know, Devontae Graham was so instrumental in leading his team to doing that that the coaches kind of elevated him um, when, you know, I think, quite frankly, Trey Young was probably a little bit of a better player. So, um, you know, just from that perspective, I wouldn't have been mad at either. Bill Self said in his radio show tonight that he actually thought Cade Cunningham was the one who deserved it in mm-hmm. a slight race. But, but you know, I, I I would not have been offended uh, either way. It wouldn't shock me if the media awards go for Jared Butler and they end up splitting it. 
David McCormick, uh, let's just talk about him for just a second here. I mean, most mm-hmm. improved player of the year. I mean, we talked about this, what was that, probably a month and a half, two months ago. He was a little inconsistent. Now he's finding his groove, isn't he? Yeah, some of that inconsistency is still there. Uh, he's been dealing with an injury, too. You know, this last game against UTEP, uh, some people freaked out because he had a really rough first half, and then it came out after the game that uh, he hadn't practiced basically at all. And, and Bill Self said afterward, you know, hey, he just needed to find his rhythm, and then he was terrific in the second half. He, you know, had an 18.10 rebound double-double, and almost all of that came in the in the second half, or at least most of the scoring, I believe, 16 points. Um, yeah, he's really found himself, you know, I'm, I'm not sure he's Kansas's best player, uh, but he's emerged as the guy who's played the best basically since that first loss at Texas that Kansas suffered in big 12 play at the start of January. Um, you know, he's been up there. I think he was, he might still be leading the team in field goal percentage, which for a guy who was shooting like 35% from the field in his first few games, like, you know, that obviously shows he's made market improvement there. And then defensively, you know, he hasn't necessarily gotten that much better defensively, but the team has changed what it's asked him to do as a defender, and it's allowed him to play to his strengths, and I think made him a lot better. So um, just for those reasons, yeah, he, I mean, he was awarded most improved player. I don't necessarily know if that's year to year or if that's, you know, most improved player within a season or however they figure that that award out. But um, if, if you ask me about most improved, that just sounds like the award David McCormick mm-hmm. should get. So whatever your criteria, uh, I think he's certainly qualified for that. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Austin Reeves, Ked Cunningham, and Derek Culver all on the first team. If you ask me, I think you swap out Austin Reeves and Mac McClung. Um, what what do you think? Is that is that the good five, or do you think you you, you switch out one or two of those guys? Well, I like four of them, and they're the four you mentioned. Um, some have made an argument for McCormick over Culver. Personally, I would have Culver over McCormick, but I, again, wouldn't be super offended either way. Um, yeah, I'd probably drop Austin Reeves maybe for a Mac McClung, maybe for Deuce McBride at, at West Virginia. But, you know, that's that's a really good team. Um, you know, it, it is kind of funny, though, because – Someone uh, was in my mentions on Twitter having a conversation about this. And, you know, would that first team, how would that team look against a team like Gonzaga? And mm-hmm. I made the argument that I think Baylor's starting five would have a pretty good shot to beat the all Big 12 first team. Um, not because those players are necessarily better. You know, uh, I'm not saying, you know, Teague is better than Kate Cunningham or whatever, um, but just because of how those pieces fit and gel. And, and it's funny because if you just put these Big 12 teams up against each other, I mean, think about how wild these games would be. The Big 12 second team has Marcus Garrett, Andrew Jones, Mac McClung, Miles McBride, David McCormick. That team, like that team, maybe it's not quite quite as good as the first team, but mm-hmm. like those teams are very even. And yeah, even the third yeah. team, you know, you're talking about guys like Teague, Coleman, Ramey, um, and, and guys who didn't even make it, like Otrai Abaji, Christian Brown at Kansas, Mark Vital at Baylor. There, there's so much talent in the Big 12 this year that. I, I don't know that I've ever covered anything like it. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. So there were going to be snubs. Uh, and from that perspective, you know, good for Austin getting enough votes. It wouldn't shock me again if, if the media's team was just a little bit different. Last one we'll talk about here, Nigel Pack. I, I want to give the K-State fans a little attention mm-hmm. here. Um, I think he should have been at least on the, I guess, at, at most, the, uh, the the freshman team. He was left off. You think he deserves that or not? Yeah, he probably does. He's really impressed me when I've watched Kansas State. I really like what I've seen out of him. And, and you know, even being a little bit of an undersized guy, you know, he, he clearly plays. He's, he's clearly a good enough player to play at the Big 12 level, Big 12 caliber. 
you know, again, kind of the victim of just how good the league is. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know specifically about Mike Miles, Jalen Bridges, whatever. I, I feel pretty good about Jalen Wilson, Cade Cunningham, and Greg Brown being on there. Greg Brown's stats haven't always been great, um, but, that, that you know, that's also in large part of how he's played, who he's playing next to, um, the way he's being used. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a tough list to get onto. I, I think there's probably a chance. I think he probably could have. Maybe he did deserve it. Um, you know, but even regardless of whether or not he made the list, I do think K-State fans should be excited because I I think he's a very legitimate uh, Big 12 player, and I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch for a few years. Let's go ahead and switch gears here now to the Big 12 tournament coming up on Wednesday. Scott, before we even get into it, how much of a chance does any team other than Baylor have to win this thing? Well, it's funny you ask that. That I wanted to pose that question um, <laughs> when I was working on my show, The Drive, and, and I thought that should be the question, Baylor or the field to win the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Fitz wanted to, to make it each individual teams, and I gave him a hard time about that just because <laughs> I was like, I, I think Baylor has at least a 50-50 shot, especially, I mean, what, this role they've been on to end the year, they lose to Kansas uh, two days later or three days later, they went at West Virginia and then, you know, they absolutely, you know, curb stomped Texas Tech in a game where the final score was in no way. I mean, it was like a 15 point game that was really, you know, could have been a 30 point game uh, based off the way, you know, Teague shot the ball and, and some of those guys played. So, yeah, Baylor is head and shoulders uh, above the rest of the league. So, uh, you know, 50-50, Baylor versus the field. I think that sounds about right. Just because there are good teams. Like, West Virginia is good. Texas has the roster and talent to compete with Baylor. I think if Texas had a different conference coach, maybe a couple of different options, Texas would be just as good as Baylor is. I, I think that's totally a case uh, yeah, where yeah. a coach has the team that should be Final Four, Top Five worthy. Isn't just because uh, you know a program neglected to make a coaching change when it should have. But I mean, Texas can beat anyone. Oklahoma State is showing that it can beat anyone. Uh, West Virginia for round one looks great. Kansas on the other side of the bracket's pretty good. So you know Baylor could lose. I, I just wouldn't necessarily bet on it. Yeah, it's insane. Every any given night in this league, you know, we saw Oklahoma State. I think they were at the sixth spot in in the in the tournament just a few weeks ago. They're up to five, but Oklahoma, they were. They were at the two spot, and now they're playing on Wednesday. It's just, it's just crazy how you know not only tough but deep this league is, uh, night in and night out around the conference. Let's start off with K State TCU, uh, five thirty on Wednesday, and then they're followed by Oklahoma and Iowa State. Uh, who do you like in that matchup between the Wildcats and the Horn Frogs? I mean, probably K State, just as a function of K State playing better. I, I don't have any grand analysis. I've actually caught. Um, you know, quite a few K-State games. And it seems to me at times it depends on the the health of the team. At times it depends on, you know, who is and isn't available. But when they have most of their guys available, I guess probably won't have Antonio Gordon based off the situation there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does seem like they're gelling and coming together. I, I like, you know, I like a lot of the young pieces on K-State. Um, and, and I think Mike McGurl, what he has done this year, like you, I, you don't really get an award for it. He deserves whatever the equivalent of like the presidential medal of freedom is that K-State can give him for just like, Hey, thanks for being a good senior and hanging with the season and, and whatnot. I, I actually think he's uh, been pretty impressive too. So um, deserving of an all big 12 honorable mention. I think I remember yeah, uh, seeing yeah. his name on that yep. list. So yeah, I mean, I, I would probably take K-State, but you know, it's a 50-50 game. It could, it could go either way. 
K-State's hot at the right time. I'm not saying they're going to go on any you know tournament run because they'll, they'll meet Baylor if they beat TCU. <laughs> but, you know, they're clicking at the right time. They've won three of their last four games. They beat TCU in Fort Worth to start that winning streak. So I like Kansas State as well. As for Oklahoma, Iowa State, I, it's hard not to pick Oklahoma, but it's Iowa State. It's Big 12 tournament. They thrive. <laughs> I'm, curi- I'm curious here with, you know, there's not going to be all the hype and stuff going on at PL. Sprint Center's going to be at capacity, or won't be at capacity. So it's not going to be that Hilton South type atmosphere we're used to. But I think Iowa State's got a chance here. What say you? Yeah, I think they have a chance. Iowa State's been a lot closer in a lot of these losses than I think people realize. Um, until K-State went on its kind of winning streak or, or, you know, put together a couple wins to end the year, I actually felt like Iowa State was better than Kansas State just from the perspective of they played so many close games. But then, obviously, K-State got in a roll, and, I, you know, you change your tune on that. K-State, you know, definitely playing better uh, than Iowa State. But, yeah, I mean, here's the thing about Oklahoma. Oklahoma was ranked in the top 10, and – you know, I like to consider myself someone who watches a lot of college basketball. And that I was high on Oklahoma coming into the year. I think I had them like fourth or fifth maybe in the conference. And like, no, that that was never a top 10 team. And, and it, it yeah, anyone yeah, who watched yeah. them, there was no way to consistently watch that team play and think, oh, yeah, this is one of the five, six, seven best teams in the country. So the regression, I think, was always coming. But now I think they're probably a little bit lower than the caliber of team they are. So, you know, obviously they have to figure it out. They have to get it turned around. But, you know, they do have some talent. They do have some pieces. They've also had guys miss time, which I'm sure is thrown off the yeah. rhythm, yeah. Uh, particularly Manic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I know his season hasn't really gone the way he wanted it to. But I, I would like Oklahoma, but that would definitely fall into the category of uh, – you know, would it shock me if it happened? No. Yeah. I, I don't even want to spend time on K-State slash TCU against Baylor. Let's be <laughs> real here. But Kansas is going to get um, that 7-10 game. We're probably going to go Oklahoma there. I mean, we've seen them twice against the Jayhawks this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think that game would turn out if it happens? Kansas-Oklahoma is interesting. Um I think Kansas, the one thing that causes Kansas matchup issues is playing with a floor spacing five. Now that's been neutralized a little bit because of the different way KU defends ball screens. So the game really shifts to a matchup of guards versus guards. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you would think a lot of the focus this season for KU has been on David McCormick and Marcus Garrett, right? And like, how well are they playing and are they up to expectations, whatever. But the fact really remains that KU wins and loses games based off how Christian Brown, Ochai Abaji, and Jalen Wilson play. And that is especially true in this matchup, and that is especially true defensively. Having the quickness to guard Austin Reeves, Davion Harmon, um, just to deal with those guards, I, I think Kansas would be a slight favorite. Um, but those, the two games potentially they would play Oklahoma and Texas would be so, so important for seeding because right now mm-hmm. Kansas is kind of a fringe 3-4 seed and you you know, you know lose to Oklahoma, that probably guarantees you're going to be at least a 4, maybe a 5, or a backward at least a 5, probably a 4. Um, so, you know, I, I think I'd give Kansas the edge there, but that would be a lot of pressure on that one game. Um, I guess it will be a lot of pressure when it most likely happens. Texas and Texas Tech will play following that Kansas game. Um Assuming Kansas can maybe win that game, who do you like between the Longhorns and the Red Raiders? If they switch coaches, Texas would win that game by, <laughs> you know, 15 points. I just, mm-hmm. Texas's roster has so much talent. 
it is obscene. The athleticism, the potential to be better at shooting, although I don't necessarily hold that to Shaka Smart. Um, obviously, Greg Brown, the returning talent, the veterans. I love Texas's roster, and, and I truly, truly believe that if you were drafting rosters in the Big 12, you know, Baylor would pr- almost certainly be first, but man, Texas would be right there. Um, and, and I think Texas has a top five to seven roster nationally, just in terms of talent, veterans, honestly, maybe higher than that. Maybe you take a team like Texas and you should be expected to be able to, you know, maybe not beat them 50% of the time, but beat Gonzaga, you know, 40% of the time, go four and six in a 10 game matchup. I, I don't think people understand how much talent is on that roster, both veteran returning everyone continuity and a year when no one has it and then also you know you add a guy like Craig Brown and all of a sudden you have this really really complete roster but um it's tough from that perspective I think Texas Tech has been a little bit overvalued so I guess I'll continue to ride with Texas but you know at the same time like I, I don't necessarily know that I've ever seen anything you know basically past that one VCU run which yep. granted Shaka Smart did beat Kansas in that run got to a final four it's also the only time he's ever been out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. um, that, that I would trust him in these kinds of settings but Texas has the talent to be better than Texas Tech so I would probably go with Texas. You might be onto something there I kind of like your idea of switching coaches for a game that would be, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be pretty fun wouldn't it be? Yeah, Jamie Dixon coaching K-State. I I can see it. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, We'll flip to the other half of the bracket here. We forgot to brush over West Virginia, the four seed, up against Oklahoma State, the five seed. What's your thoughts on this one? I like West Virginia in this one. And if Oklahoma State wins, they should should pry the Coach of the Year award out of Scott Drew's hand and give it to Mike Boynton Mm -hmm. because uh, the job he's he's done there has been phenomenal. I mean— they weren't they were supposed to be good okay but people have put you know just imagine that well they'll be great they have Cade Cunningham I mean Markel Fultz at at Washington even um to an extent oh what's the uh, Ben Simmons at LSU that's the name I was thinking of like we have Trey Young at Oklahoma this Oklahoma State team's better than that we have a long history of seeing uh, these star freshmen come in and either be fringe tournament teams um like Trey Young leading the team or miss the tournament entirely or just be on a flat-out bad team. And it's not just Cade Cunningham. It's the development of all the other guys. It's the win they got when Cade Cunningham didn't even play. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I have to think West Virginia will win because I just think West Virginia is probably the second or third best team in the Big 12. Um, But if Oklahoma State does spring that upset, like I said, give Mike Boynton retroactively give him that Coach of the Year award because I think he deserves it. Man, you're pretty boring. You want one, two, three, four with with Baylor, Kansas, Texas, and West Virginia all advancing to to the Oof. semis. Um, <laughs> you got West Virginia going up against Baylor in your book. Uh, how does that game <laughs> square up? I know that you mentioned Baylor versus the field is probably 50-50, so you're probably going to lean Baylor here. But, you know, West Virginia's got Culver down low. He can compete with Baylor. Um, you know, Deuce McBride's playing well for the Mountaineers. What do you like about this game? Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, this Baylor team is like one of my favorite of all time, just because <laughs> how well they shoot from three. I love watching guys. Mark Vital to me, no one can say he's undervalued because everyone knows who Mark Vital is at this point. But this is a guy who's having such a disappointing season. And it's, you know, it's the fit. Is it his conditioning? What is it? And then he turns it on and plays in a way that just reminds you like, oh, yeah, um, you know, I, I think Kansas – in, with Marcus Garrett as a very unique defender that no one else in the country has. And I think the same is true um, of Mark Vital. Baylor has three guards on the Big 12 all-defensive team, two of them who are, are on the all-Big 12 first team and who are fantastic offensive players. 
And then another on the third team who just went for 35 points, who's not one of the three on the all defensive team. And that doesn't even count a guy, you know, I'm going to butcher his name, but Jonathan, uh, Chamwat Chachua, or however you say yeah, it. Your guess I, is as I mean, good as mine with him. The energy he brings, uh, the rebounding, all of it, you know, I love that on the inside. I think West Virginia can win. Um, you know, I give them and Texas the best two shots of any Big 12 team to beat Baylor in the championship game. Um, so I will go boring and say Baylor, but uh, I do think that. I think West Virginia as, I'm guessing, the four and Texas as the three would be the toughest games uh, for Baylor remaining. Does Kansas get the revenge? Over Texas? I really don't think so. Um, I know there's the saying, it's hard to beat a team three times. But at the same time, uh, I don't think the numbers actually bear that out. I know the numbers for NFL football do not bear that out. If you sweep a team and then you play them again in the playoffs, odds Mm -hmm. are you beat them. And um, I don't have the exact data in front of me for basketball, but I would assume it's the same way. I can think of a number of times that Kansas has beaten a team, even a good team, uh, three times in in the, you know, twice in the regular season and then again in the postseason. So um, I don't think these teams are all that different. I think they're fairly comparable, but I think – um, if you can get even a decent game plan, decent to good for Texas, I think Texas can do some things that KU cannot um, in terms of you know the amount of bodies they can show you in the front court, the overall athleticism, and then just the veteran, tough, scrappy guard. So I would actually pick, I guess it's a little bit of an upset there, a three over a two, but I, I would actually like Texas there. Gotcha. And then Baylor all the way, winning it all? Yeah, I think so. It, I think the winner of that Baylor-West Virginia game, uh, to me, that is probably mm-hmm. who takes it. Um, I I really like the Mountaineers. Um, I really like Baylor. I obviously like the talent on Texas's roster. But Baylor, to me, it should be a team that – I think this year's Baylor team is better than last year's Baylor team. I'm not so mm-hmm. sure that this year's Baylor team isn't better than last year's Kansas team. And, and you know, last year's Kansas team had some early season hiccups and then kind of figured out how to play and was – you know, I don't want to say invincible, but was head and shoulders above the rest of college basketball by like any credible metrics and, um, you know, looking at rankings, the end of the year, number one, I don't, I don't know that this Baylor team, if complete and healthy, obviously the COVID pause threw a wrench into that. I don't know that this Baylor team wouldn't be better than that team just from uh, how they play defense. And then you add to that, their three point shooting, right? We've, we've seen teams that are amazing defensively. And then we've seen teams that are amazing shooting the ball, but maybe a little bit worse defensively. And I think the prime example of it all coming together was that Virginia team where offensive efficiency was off the charts. And then that defensive efficiency was, you know, absolutely tremendous too. And that's kind of what I see in Baylor, except the difference being they can go so much more fast paced. They can run up and down the floor, pull up in transition, you know, just knock in threes. And then at the same time, you know, kind of guard the heck out of each possession. So I'd probably go Baylor in that matchup, but um, I think one of those three teams, it, it's funny to like not pick Kansas here, given that Kansas has obviously had so much success in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. But Baylor, West Virginia, and Texas, to me, are, are the three teams I would look at winning the conference tournament. There you have it. I Man, I'm you've got me super excited for this tournament, man. I'm, I'm sad I won't <laughs> be there. I'm even more sad that we don't have a spring break because this week always mm-hmm. lines up with, you know, um, with the spring break and you've got the week off. You can watch all the games. I'm going to have to... Try to be on Zoom on one half of my screen and then, you know, streaming those games on the other half. But should be a lot of fun, man. Um, we'll come back, come back here after a quick break on the 10 of 12 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back in here to the 10 of 12 podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gilbert. Scott Chasen with us here from Fog.net. Let's talk some NCAA tournament basketball here. Um, I'm assuming seven teams, unless something happens between now and, what is that, Suction Sunday on the 13th or 14th, whatever that is. Oklahoma State will be in, so we'll probably have seven teams from the Big 12. Let's just go down the line here. Before we do that, Scott, let's, let's set a number um, of teams that make it out of the first weekend. So that's to the Sweet 16. What should we set that over-under at? You think uh, three and a half, four and a half? What's a fair number there to set that at? I mean, I'd, I'd probably take the over on both just because – and. Uh, Fitz looked at me like I was crazy when I said this. I'm not looking at you, but (laughs) I'm thinking it. (laughs) Well, I mean, this could be a year where I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm not saying I expect this to happen. But if three or four Big 12 teams made the Elite Eight, would not be you like the word shocked would not come to mind. I'd be like, oh, you know, that's interesting. Wow, they, they really performed well in the tournament. But, you know, Baylor is a team that should guaranteed be in the second weekend. West mm-hmm. Virginia is a team that if they don't make the second weekend, they had problems. Kansas is a team that if they get a three seed, you know, they'll have to beat a fringe ranked team to make the second weekend. Texas is a team might get a three seed that absolutely absolutely should make the second weekend. And I'm not saying they all will, but then right behind them, you've got an Oklahoma team that, you know, whether or not they deserved it, they were ranked in the top 10 at yeah. an earlier point this season. You have an Oklahoma state team that is absolutely red hot on fire with good talent. And Oh, by the way, you've got Texas tech and Chris Beard who might be, you know, one of the, the rising coaches in the nation, one of the best coaches in the nation. Um, you know, Mac McClung, good talent, tough team, scrappy. And, you know, when when complete, when they have all their pieces, uh, that's another team that could. So I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I think five, five Big 12 teams will probably end up making it to the second weekend. Now, I'm not saying they will have teams advance much more than that, but I, I think getting a couple into the Elite Eight would be very validating uh, for the Big 12 this year. And, yeah, I mean, Kansas – West Virginia, Baylor, Texas will all probably be favored in their first two games. Mm-hmm. And so from that, you know, one of those teams probably loses. Maybe another one replaces it. But I think four or five is is really that number um, for the Big 12 to target. If everything goes best case scenario, that's the number. Now, things happen. Upsets happen. Oklahoma loses to a 12 seed. That wouldn't shock me. But, you know, I, I don't think it'd be crazy for four or five teams to make the second weekend. You talked about Oklahoma, man. I'm skeptical on them just because I never thought they were that good. I think that that's a vulnerable team. Uh, Oklahoma State, they're playing amazing right now. They've got lightning in a bottle. If they get bounced by West Virginia in the first round, that could be a team that's completely cooled off, and I, I could see them getting bounced if they're a four seed getting bounced by a 13. I'm, I, I like Kansas. I like Baylor. I like West Virginia. I like Texas Tech. Texas, 
You mentioned Chaka Smart. He's he's never made it outside of that first weekend. So we'll see what happens. I'm certainly rooting for those teams to get out um, towards the second weekend of the tournament. We'll see how that works out. Scott, how much are we betting on this? I'll, I'll, I'll take any amount on that over. I guess I've got the under. You've got the over four and a half, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I probably I would lean to the over. I wouldn't feel great enough to bet uh, any significant sum of anything on it. Although I believe Kellis Robinette still owes me at Coke for telling him that Baylor was going to lose three times late in the Big 12 season <laughs> last year. Uh, and he was adamant that would not happen. So um, although I was kind of basing that off some metrics and some Ken Palm numbers, so maybe I can split it with uh, Ken Palm if he ever gets down here. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, Look, I, I'm with you on Oklahoma just from the perspective of I was really high on Davion Harmon coming into the year. Mm-hmm. It's why I thought they might finish fourth or fifth. I, you know, obviously Brady Mannix a good player. Uh, they've got another big man who's okay and, and can stretch the floor just a little bit, although him shooting uh, Kwath mid-range jumpers or whatever is not a great shot. Um, but, you know, he has some potential as maybe defensively. He's got good length, even though he's really, really thin. Um, you know, obviously Austin Reeves is a good player. The the key to them, I think, is just like hitting shots because Austin Reeves, what a weird case of a guy who's gotten like worse at shooting yeah, as his career yeah. has gone on. And, you know, maybe that's a step up in competition, whatever. But um, if he's hitting threes, if he's getting to the line, if he's dictating the game, I think he gives them the chance to elevate uh, similar to, you know, how Mac McClung does with Texas Tech. If you play Texas Tech and Mac McClung isn't playing well, they're very beatable, but it's not going to be fun. Like, you might beat them, but you'll come out of that game being like, dang, I am exhausted. That was uh, way harder than it should have been. They scrapped so hard, whatever. If you play them and Mac McClung is hitting everything, I, I mean, it's almost like, you know, you need someone to just straight up go off if you're going to win that game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kansas handled Texas Tech the last time they played in Allen Fieldhouse. It was a six-point game, but uh, Texas Tech never led. And the score was not closer than six. Texas Tech, I'll say it another way. Texas Tech never had the ball any in a better position than Dallas for the last 25 minutes of the game. So that margin ended at six. But, I mean, they were at an arm's length. It was it was never a competitive contest. Texas Tech never had a shot with the score closer than six. Now, they did cut it lower, but KU pushed it right back out on the next possession every time. So um, I, I think Texas Tech is one that could have a lot of variance. Um, and And you know what? And here's why, you know, I would never go all in on that that tournament over under like West Virginia to me is such a good team. Like West Virginia is final four capable if their bracket breaks the, the right way and they get the right matchups. But also, you know, West Virginia could lose in the first weekend if, you know, they run into just the wrong team or their seed. You know, maybe they're a three seed instead of a two seed. Now they have to play a six seed and yep. their six seed is someone who's, you know, actually pretty good because it just feels like there are so many good teams this year. So, you know, I, I think there's a great opportunity for the Big 12 to really validate itself and say, you know, show, hey, look how many good teams are here. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it will happen. But, you know, there are a few Big 12 teams I, I would feel pretty comfortable betting on to, to at least win a couple games here. Yeah, I, I, mean, I agree. I To kind of back up what I was saying earlier, just it happens almost every year where you're super high on the Big 12. And obviously the Big 12 is one of the best, if not the best in, you know, in the nation. You can make an argument for the Big 10 there. But, you know, it happens every year. And this is kind of I'm sure you can relate to this with KU basketball. It happened this year. Baylor's obviously way better. They won the conference. But during that, you know, 15-year span where they won the Big 12, every year there was a reason to believe that it wasn't going to be Kansas. You know, West Virginia's got a good team this year. Trey Young and Oklahoma, all this hype and this and that. So 
I, I would love to to see it, and I, I hope it, I believe it. It's just like I feel like it's my girlfriend who I keep going back to, and then she keeps breaking <laughs> my heart all the time. So betting on, on the Big 12 is it's iffy for me. I mean, even with yeah. Baylor, we've seen Scott Drew um, get beaten by 12 seeds in the first round multiple times, right? So we'll yeah. see what happens. But d- do you think that Baylor, is it pretty much just cruise control until you get to Gonzaga on the other half of the bracket? Because that's something I cons- I'm a little concerned with. For the Bears, last season you saw them against lesser opponents struggle. And they were kind of just saying, eh, let's pack it in. We're going to beat these guys no matter what. And it happened kind of through the dog days of February last season where they kind of mailed it in some games and they had some close calls. Do you think that this team, uh, I guess my question here is, how? Am I, I mean, they're, they're way better than whoever they're going to play. But how locked in do they need to be? Let's say once they get towards that four or five matchup in the Sweet 16. If they're truly um, back health wise and conditioning wise by the tournament, then I, then I actually think they can afford to play basically like a B game and beat just about anyone except maybe five teams in the country. Um, even if that team's playing an A plus game, I, I think Baylor is that much better um, than most of the teams. Not all, you know, five six teams maybe something. At, that they would actually have to play in that A range to, you know, make sure they win that game. But Baylor's margin for error is just so big mm-hmm. because even if they don't have it on offense, they have it on defense. Even if the starters don't have it on defense, they can go to other guys. Even if certain guys are playing well, they're, they're missing a guy, whatever. And I think the scariest thing for other teams in the NCAA tournament should also be the biggest reason that other teams in the NCAA tournament should be hopeful. And by that, I mean Baylor having this COVID pause, I think, does open the door for some ambiguity about Mm -hmm. conditioning, guys who rush back to get into good shape, maybe get injured, maybe suffer some kind of a minor deal we don't know about, but it hinders them. Um, That makes them more beatable. That means the team could jump up and upset them, and we may never even know about those things um, until they happen or if they happen. Now, the other side of that, why it's scary uh, is because Baylor had to play a couple close games. And Baylor, yep. before that five-point win over Iowa State, hadn't played a game, I believe, decided by fewer than eight points. I think that had only happened twice. And one of those was Kansas, which was an 11-point game until a walk-on hit a bank shot, you know, 40-foot three-pointer at the buzzer. They had beaten everyone else by double digits. And it was like, I mean, they haven't even played a close game. And the fact that they got to play West Virginia, they got to go into overtime in that game, and I believe... I think Jared Butler fouled out down the stretch of that game and they still grinded it out. Obviously they played, um, didn't end up being a close game against Kansas, but it was close until late. I think that's actually good experience for them to get into that. Obviously that one didn't go well. Maybe they were still a little rusty. I don't know. Um, and, And then, you know, just to have the chance to grind through a few games and then be like, oh, yeah, we're still Baylor. We're going to blow these last two teams out by double figures, whatever. Um, I, I think that can give them a spark or, or, help them feel confidence playing a certain way because I think a lot of the time, you know, the reason why these higher seeds uh, lose is because they're so used to just blowing everyone out Mm -hmm. and then someone puts some pressure on them and they don't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think this year's Baylor team, assuming health-wise everything is there, um, is really, really well equipped to actually handle um, a team that gives them the game and and gets up for it. But I agree with you. I, I think probably coaching is the most important thing for them in March. There's no reason why that team should lose short of the Elite Eight. Um, if it does, it's a colossal fa- failure. Um, I hesitate to consider uh, Elite Eight games are hard because it, it's the same with the uh, the round of 32. You only get one day to prepare. 
and a lot of stuff can happen, especially, mm-hmm. you know, you might be playing a team that plays a kind of defense that you've never seen before. Yeah. And you've got one day to learn it basically and go over their matchups and everything. And Oh, by the way, you just played an exhausting game and you know, you've been playing, you know, all these big high stake games. So I, I think the elite eight is actually probably the hardest round of the tournament. Um, certainly that's been true at Kansas, but I, I think for Baylor, that's the mark. Like they have to get to the elite eight, um, probably make a final. F- it would probably be a colossal failure this season for them. If they're not an elite eight team, at least. You real quick here. This was it. Chris Tian who hit that shot at the last yeah. second. That I I think I remember this one. I had money on um, on Baylor. I think it was like an eight point spread. So they, I think it was a push. Mm-hmm. But that 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 brings back some nightmares, man. That was not a good day for me when that happened. <laughs> I, uh, I tell you what. Speaking of bringing back nightmares, this is so unrelated <laughs> to our conversation about the tournament. So I'll make it quickly. We do highlights in our show on the drive, like whenever we're talking about something. And mm-hmm. Fitz was talking about K State football. And the first play was the screen pass KU tried to throw where the guy, I think someone, there was an issue getting the play called in. He, he went with the wrong look, but quarterback rolls right, turns back left, floats the ball across the field, pick six. Mm-hmm. And I saw that play and I was just reminded of it. And like Fitz is talking for two minutes, you know, breaking down K-State and I'm just cracking up laughing because I was like, oh my God, I, I just remember watching that and being like, something has gone horribly wrong. Um, so that's kind of what happened to a lot of people who had Baylor. Uh, probably on the, the betting line in that game when Chris Tehan banked in a 40-foot three-pointer. Oh, yeah. I've had my fair share of bad beats, but also my share, fair share of, of good beats, I guess, if that's a thing. Good wins. Good wins, sure. Thank you. Backdoor covers. Um, <laughs> let's look at Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, these teams that have a chance to knock out Baylor before they meet Gonzaga. I don't know how much you follow the national picture. I, I really mm-hmm. don't that much. But who outside of Gonzaga has the best chance – to, to knock off Baylor, should they be put in that seat, in, pardon me, in that region? I think Illinois is a scary team, um, although now it kind of looks like they're going to get a number, a number one seed, but uh, yeah. they're obviously really scary. I think Iowa is a team. I, I know some people disagree with me on this, and that's their right to do so, but I would never want to play a team in the tournament that is the best or the second best at something. And in this case, offense. And uh, they're a team that's made some strides defensively, but if they're going to win, they're, they're going to blow you out. They're going to win a shootout and they can do that. And and I think that's a scary matchup, not just for Baylor, because it will put a lot of pressure on their three-point shooting. Baylor gets some easy baskets, but they don't get as many uh, as a team like Iowa does. So that, you know, your shooters actually have to show up and your defense has to be, you know, really, really good. Or, or you know, you might be out of that game without even realizing it. When I've looked at the hardest matchups for certain Big 12 teams, that's typically what I've gone to. And, you know, especially moving to a team like Kansas this year, like Kansas runs into Iowa. I don't know that Iowa is demonstrably better than Kansas based off the way they've played, you know, over the last month. But I do know I would have a hard time visualizing a way for a team like Kansas to win that game. And again, I would still take Baylor to beat Iowa because I think Baylor defensively, you know, can do... I was lost games. They've obviously lost games for a reason, but there, there are scenarios and more plausible ones where a team like that just gets on an absolute role, scoring the ball and Luca Garza is dominating and drawing fouls and whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, all of a sudden, oops, we're down 10, we're down 15. It's halftime. 
better make shots in the second half, you know? So I, I think that would probably be one. The Big Ten's got a lot of good teams, obviously, if you run into a, um, you know, I guess Michigan will probably be the other number one seed too. So maybe two Big Ten teams uh, on that one seed line. But uh, there are a lot of teams there. I, I don't think you want to play, especially when they are battle tested. But that would be one to me. Uh, I know Iowa, you know, there'll be a two seed, whatever. And, and you'll have people going into the tournament saying they can't win at all because their defense is ranked too low or, or whatever. But, and, and that may be true. I mean, they might get upset early because if you're only good at one thing and you're not great at the other thing, that's a weakness. But um, at the same time, if you play to that thing, you're great at, you are really, really hard to beat. And so uh, that would be the team for me. So the big 10's got four teams in the top 10 and then there's a, a pretty big drop off. However, the bottom half of the league isn't nearly as bad as K-State in TCU and Iowa State were this year. So I mentioned it earlier, though, but who, who's the best conference uh, in America, Big Ten or Big 12? Yeah, I think the Big Ten is probably a little bit more top-heavy just compared to there are like five Big 12 teams that are all relatively equal mm-hmm. um, after you get past like Well, actually, I I would divide the Big 12 up like Baylor is on a tier with just a couple of teams. Maybe Michigan's on that tier, but certainly Gonzaga is. Then you have West Virginia and Texas, which are that next tier. Then maybe Kansas sneaks onto there. Maybe Kansas is the borderline between that tier and the tier with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. But that's just, I mean, that's 70% of your league that is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, capable of basically beating 300, you know, whatever the number of, of college basketball teams is minus two. Um, you know, on, on any given night. So um, I think I, I like the Big 12 from that perspective. I think the Big 10, um, while it does have maybe more quality teams, it also has more teams overall. But I think it, it, it's kind of like, it sort of reminds me of this weird comparison, but the Lakers played the uh, Miami Heat in last year's uh, NBA Finals, right? And the Lakers had the two best players. And then the Heat had like eight of the next nine And then the Lakers still had good players after that. They weren't bad, but they just weren't as good as like the good players on the heat. But, you know, they obviously still had the best two players in the series. And that's, you know, why they won the NBA championship. They had LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I'm not necessarily saying that's the big 10 because I think, you know, Baylor is right up there with Michigan, with Illinois, probably better than both of those teams. But um, I kind of feel about it, you know, a little bit similar that, you know, Maybe you uh, look at the top of the league and you say Illinois has got the better or uh, the Big Ten has got the better better top of the league with, again, those teams I just mentioned. Um, and then, you know, you've got six Big 12 teams before you would get to your next Big Ten team. So um, I, I like both leagues, but I think, um, you know, Big 12's depth and, and maybe the Big Ten at the top. Moving forward next year in the Big 12, who's going to be back up at, at number one? I think Baylor's losing a lot. Kansas is is a younger team. Do you think that the Jayhawks can start another streak, or is it a team like Texas, Texas Tech, you know, West Virginia? Uh, who do you think is going to be up at the top next year? It should be Kansas if they return all the pieces that are expected. They're going after a transfer at point guard because that's going to be the area they'll lose. Really, the only guy they lose is Marcus Garrett. Now, if they go on a run in the postseason and they start losing guys that you you wouldn't think they would, like an Ochai Abaji or Jalen Wilson, that's all you know subject to change. Um, if, if they go on some kind of a run, but if you think about it, if this Kansas team only loses Marcus Garrett and then you have Jalen Wilson as a redshirt sophomore, but I guess technically he'd be a freshman because eligibility doesn't count. Mm-hmm. You'd have Christian Brown in year three. You'd have Ochai Abaji in year four. Um, you, 
then you bring in some new guys, and obviously it, it remains to be seen. They've got a Juco big man coming in in Sidney Curry, who, if he makes it to campus, I think will be a really, really good player. He might have some professional options. So um, I, I think it should be Kansas. I think there's a real chance, depending on how the rest of this cycle goes, depending on how things go, um, particularly with one transfer target, uh, I think there is a great chance that they are ranked in the top three-ish maybe to start next year. But again, it's very easy to lose a guy or two. And then all of a sudden, you know, suddenly the team doesn't look the same way it was supposed to look. So I I would guess Kansas, but um, definitely subject to change depending on how the postseason goes. Let's wrap things up with this. Let's try to give a little attention to those teams at the bottom. We'll talk about K-State and Iowa State. uh, Steve Perlman, Bruce Weber, it's been... It's it's been rough for them this season. It's it's crazy to think that Iowa State two seasons ago had Wigington and you know Merrill Shayok, all these guys, Halberton, and now they go 0 and 18. It's weird to think K State won the Big 12 and now they're 4 and 14. Do you think Bruce Weber should go? Do you think that Steve Prohm should go? Should they be given some more time to work things out? You know, I know K State fans will have a different. Some will have a different opinion than me. I, I would give Bruce Weber another year unless there's a candidate that is great and out there that just looks like you know a slam dunk mostly because one very clearly didn't lose the team um based off how they finished really strong to end the year yeah like some of the young talent think you should get a chance to kind of see it out and you know even though maybe the last two years haven't uh really been acceptable um there there's at least a foundation of course something um if you're iowa state i I think you've got to make a change i think that's another change that's overdue um, I understand why programs are hesitant to fire coaches. I, you know, if you fire a coach early, make a bad hire, uh, you're going to be really hesitant to fire that one. And now you're, you know, you've just been set back so far and, and it can make it so hard. But um, Iowa State can be a good program. We saw that with Fred Hoiberg and maybe that was a special circumstance of a guy with a certain fondness for a school. And, mm-hmm, yeah. um, you know, maybe you can't get that caliber of guy, but uh, I just think Iowa State can do so much better. And, um, you know, I, there, there was a time where people thought, hey, if Bill Self leaves, Fred Hoiberg could be a name to watch at Kansas. I mean, like that was how well he mm-hmm. had that program operating and moving. And I'm not saying Iowa State has to be that Iowa State, but um, they've got a chance now where their football program is really good, where they can attract some talent and say, see, look, you can win here. Um, you know, we're doing it in football. We've done it in basketball. Let's get a real coach and uh, and make some noise. So. Uh, I would give Bruce Weber one more year. I would give uh, Steve Prom. I'd probably want to move on from him. But, you know, that also depends on how much money you have and who's out there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like something like $6 million to let Steve Prom go. So that, it's just tough, man. That's very tough. Um, you, you talked about Bill Self leaving, man. I haven't seen It's been like a month since I've te- uh, seen a tweet pop up saying there's rumors about Bill Self going <laughs> to the NBA. I'm always just like, come on, man. This It's, it's BS, right? Right? Yeah, I mean – I, maybe there I was wrong? a time where the NBA was, you know, something or other. But what's funny is I've never – Bill Self's a great coach. He'd be good anywhere. Mm-hmm. I actually think he'd have a harder time adjusting to the NBA um, yeah. I mean, because at, so much of what he does well is, you know, gets that buy-in, gets guys to play hard, you know, play after play, plays his guys big minutes and big games and hates to lose. And, like, that's not really the NBA game. It is when you get into the playoffs, but so yeah. much of it is personality management, which he's okay at. Um, actually pretty good at, but also just like not, you know, understanding it's okay to lose games and, you know, you, you might lose a few games in the regular season in a row or in a week because you really don't want to push it with guys. And I think that discipline would be very hard for him. Now he's a great coach. I think he figured it out, but no, I mean, I don't see him going anywhere at this point unless, 
Um, you know, I guess his contract's up after next year, and a lot of that will depend on the NCAA situation. But yeah, I've I've never really bought into the rumors. I think some yeah. someone reported that it was like a done deal for him to go coach the Chicago Bulls. Yep, I remember I, that. I, I want to say it was like the week after Jim Boylan or whoever was there signed an extension. And it was just like, <laughs> no, most of these rumors have been, you know, kind of garbage. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Uh, look forward to to seeing what coaches stay in, in the Big 12 and watching them grow uh, and coach their team. Scott, I appreciate you once again joining me, man. Yep, thanks for having me. If you're if you're a Go Powercat subscriber, you've got access to everything uh, that Scott does over at Fog.net, so be sure to check him out. He does a great job um, covering Kansas, and you've got a good team over there with Jack. I've actually, Scott, I don't think we've talked about this. I've known jack for a little bit did you know that i did yeah, not we got like that. a mutual friend so yeah it's pretty cool um other than that though scott once again man i appreciate you coming on man yep thank All you right. be sure to hit us up on twitter at 10 of 12 podcast and we'll catch you next week thank you